What's going on, everybody? Andrew Vost and Iris Burton here today on Success Direct Podcast. We got a special guest today, but before we jump into that, um, what you can kind of expect from our podcast is current events, what's happening in the real estate market, tough things that we people may not want to talk about, right? Is, is the crash coming? Are interest rates going to price people out? Um, what's happening in schools, politics, stuff like that. We kind of just keep it. And then there's also another version you may get of us. One of us may just come on a rant. Like the other day, you might have heard Iris's, you know, she just has something on her mind. And I just sat here and listened and asked her questions to feed the beast, right? So, but without further ado, you know, if you thought, if you feel like this will provide some value, please like, share, comment. If you create a meme of us, just tag us. We would love to, you know, get some more recognition on social media. But today we got Matt Johnson and how Matt Johnson and I met was they actually reached out to me through my connection with Red X. And they said, hey, you should maybe interview this guy. Matt uh, just kind of unpackages how teams build, what the kind of how they get from point A to point B. And we had a great podcast and I was like, Matt, you're a cool ass dude. Let's let's like just keep this relationship going. How can I help you? He's like, no, how can I help you? And kind of this just been this back and forth thing. So how you doing today, Matt? I'm doing awesome. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm, we're excited to have you. Um, so yeah, I just want to kind of dive in and just see, just ask you, how did you get started in real estate? Is real estate your only current venture? And um, I, what I'm really excited to talk about, we'll get to is the podcast business because I mean you've absolutely exploded it and kind of Jeff Jeff elaborated a little bit more on it. You and I have talked about it a little bit. So yeah, yeah how'd you get started in real estate? Okay. So uh I'll give some bullet points just for context. So homeschool pastor's kid, never had any intention of going into business, didn't know anyone who'd owned a business, didn't even know anyone who'd gone to college. I didn't go to college. So I, I started thinking like it's like Oh, seven. I'm thinking about getting in, like investing in real estate. Then I read the millionaire real estate agent. I'm like, well, why would I do that? If the agents are making as much on the deal as the investors and not putting up any of the risk. And then I, I caught the vision for what a real estate team could be of being the CEO and doing the strategy and the team building and the marketing. And then somebody else does the actual selling. I mean, that, that sounds amazing. So when I, when I got into real estate, I jumped right into that. Like I never worked with buyers. I only took listings. My partner did the buyer side. We hired a transaction coordinator, did the whole thing. And then the summer of 07 happened and all of our listings just sat and sat and sat. I'm like, okay, this is not fun. Uh, I, I did not, I didn't have the emotional maturity at that point to handle the client relationship side of things, if that makes sense. And so I got out of the business, went, I spent five years from there chasing the dream as a musician. That's a whole other story. But I came back <laughs> and worked for, a, worked for a marketing agency whose clients were all basically top agents and um, got the opportunity to get into business development. And their way to do that was, hey, Matt, go out and host all these webinars with people like Greg Harrelson and Matthew Ferry and Michael Mayer and all these people, right? So I just got like, hey, we're to get introduced you to like some of the top people in the space and you're going to host these like live shows. This was back on Google Hangouts as a thing. So I got all these amazing introductions right off the bat <clears throat> and fine. It, it came to pass that like two months of doing that. One of the guys that was a client of the agency that I, like he was on my team, we had worked together on his videos for his real estate market. And then we had done a couple of these like Google Hangouts together. Right. And they went, well, we have great chemistry. We had a blast doing them. Well, that was Greg McDaniel. And he called me up one day and he's like, dude, we should just start a podcast together. 
And that became Real Estate Uncensored, which now has over 3 million downloads. And so that, like just the evolution of that doing well, uh, the short story on that is we would bring guests on just like we're doing here. Um, we would have a great conversation. We would ask like, hey, you know, what can we do for you? Who can we introduce you to? And some of those people would just say like, hey, I've been thinking about doing this myself. Can you help me? Like, how do you do this? I'm like, well, I have this team of people that does the back end production for me. So I don't have to do anything but show up and, you know, just have the conversation. And they said, oh my God, that sounds amazing. Can we hire them when they're not working for you? And so, yeah, like I, first of all, I let them like freelance for them. And then that broke. And then I had to like actually build it into a real business. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like at some point it just, it became apparent that that was the right thing to throw all my energy into. So I never got, like, I am a light licensed active agent, but only for like EXP purposes. I don't actually sell real estate day to day. I haven't sold a house in 15 years. Um, so that part of the business doesn't interest me. It's the business side. It's the fact that you can, Real estate is such a crazy, wild west of an industry that you can build any kind of business that you want, and whatever your personality is, you can you can project that into whatever kind of business suits your personality, which is kind of what I've done with the agency. So that's the hopefully the short story. Yeah, no, I like that, and um, I think you and I may see real estate kind of the same because I joined EXP for when I, that was my first brokerage, amazing company. If you're looking at companies, I definitely check out EXP, right? I joined EXP for the business side of it. I, yeah. I wasn't passionate about real estate. I was passionate about what I could do with this company with a bunch of realtors and recruit and train. And um, I knew how to sell real estate or I knew sales, but I didn't no real estate, if that makes sense. I knew sales. I knew I could go out and, you know, find a buyer, find a seller yeah. um, and crush it. Um, but it never interests me. Um, and Iris and I, she approached me one day. She's like, hey, we should start a podcast. And she uh, she's with Remax and her and I used to be partnered at EXP together and um, kind of interesting story. She's kind of like, hey, I want to start a podcast. And I was like, all right, I, I'm in. Um, I don't know if you're inviting me, but I'm, I'm down. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's why I'm telling you about it. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And, you know, um, and then you kind of, and then you popped up and I'm like, man, we're, re we're, I don't know if we're struggling. Would you say that Iris? But it's definitely a yeah. different beast of a business, like getting people. Cause it's all about who, you know, right. Really at first, would you say that or when it comes to podcasting, building a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes and no. Yeah. Things have changed a lot. Uh, we started the podcast back in 2015. And yeah, in those days, it was really easy to get somebody to say yes to coming on the show because it was new and there was novel. Uh, I mean, at that point, there was a handful. Tim and Julia Harris were doing it. Super Agents Live, Toby was doing it. And Pat Hyben basically was doing it. That, that was, you know, there wasn't really much more. And there, there's a, of those shows that were around when we started, Outside of maybe those those three, I can't think of another one that's still going that was gone when we were. So yeah, it's changed a lot. People are more selective. There's so many podcasts to go on, but I can tell you this. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd be you'd be shocked. Like we we got Chris Voss when his negotiation book came out. We got him on yeah. the podcast in like 2017 before we had any right to ask. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He said yes because well, he was in book promotion mode. Same thing with Jay Samet who wrote Disrupt You. Um, yeah, we just, we caught them at the right time. I, I remember launching a podcast years ago in the investment space and the podcast hadn't even launched yet. And we got Grant Cardone to say yes. Um, wow. just because awesome. he was in the mode of built, he wanted, he was in that mode of building relationships with people in the real estate investing space, because that's what was on his mind at the moment. Like it wasn't anything special about how we reached out. 
it was just the timing and the connection was right and all that stuff. So yeah, no matter how small you are, it never hurts to ask because you never know when you catch somebody at the right time. So you don't have to know somebody, but you do have to ask. Yeah. Yeah. That's my biggest thing is I'm like, we have like 12 downloads. Now we do have way more than that, but you know, just not sure if we're ready for that yet, but mm-hmm. what, what were you going to say, Andrew? No, no. I was just going to elaborate on the book that if you haven't read that book by Chris Voss, it basically takes you in hostage negotiation and negotiating um, in the, I don't know, in the law enforcement side, right? On a yeah. federal and international and national level. Um, and it correlates it to business and how you use that and read people and psych- psychology behind it. It's, re- it's actually a really good book. Oh, it's it's genius on multiple levels because it also set him up from multi six figure, maybe even a seven figure consulting firm to yeah. those companies and basically funded his retirement after probably nice. not getting paid much, you know, working for the FBI, maybe barely scratching out an, a six figure living and now managed to turn it into probably being set up for life. So, yeah, it was that book was genius on multiple levels. Yeah, I mean, it's um, see. I didn't know all that, but that's a, yeah, it's a great book. I, so I do want to mm. ask, like, how did you know, how did you know the podcast thing was going to, was going to be the thing like that it was going to mm. generate you income was going to be your business venture? Like, how did you know? And then what did you do to kind of compound that effect? Besides well, the easy app? answer is I didn't. And I can, I can tell you for sure that I didn't because I, I was in four other ventures. So I, I started building something with a guy, you know, the goal was to build like the Netflix of real estate. I was in something like that. I helped some friends that are in the financial advisor space, build out a podcast production business there that's still going and now has over a hundred clients and they're scaling up. So that's pretty awesome. Helped that can get that off the ground. I was in, I was a partner in Jeff Cohn's company, right? The coaching consulting company. I was an equity partner in that for a while. And then there was something else. Um, so I didn't know. I was in, I made the same mistake I did in music. Like I, I joined four different bands like and played in all four of them <laughs> at one time, right? I did the same thing in business, made the same exact mistake. Um, it wasn't until the agency proved itself by continuing to outpace and be easier and more easy, like easier to sell, easier to scale, all that stuff. Like it proved it by thriving even while I was neglecting it, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, so when it was thriving while I was neglecting it to do all this other stuff, I just sat back and I, and well, I can tell you exactly what it was. I remember walking out, like leaving a zoom meeting with Jeff Cohn and his team. And I was the one that had 10 items on my to-do list along with the 10 items I walked out with from the three other ventures I was in. And I'm like, okay, well, this is not all going to get done. Right. Um, I'm the one that's being relied on to like push all these rocks up four different Hills. I'm like, this is unsustainable. So what am I going to cut down? So I got out of that financial advisor podcast business. I let them take it. Um, I got out of the Netflix for real estate thing. I, I got, and then I approached Jeff and I basically just said like, Hey, they're like, this is not working out. Like, what can we do? So just basically gave me the, like it gave the equity shares back. Right. Um, so I decided to go all in on the agency. One of the reasons I decided to do that was that number one, it's where I had the hundred percent ownership. So I get hundred percent of the rewards. I have hundred percent of the control. That's important to me just because freedom and autonomy is my number one value. Uh, number two is the fulfill- fulfillment side of it, which is that the agency produces podcasts by people with life-changing content and helps get that content out to the world. So regardless of people know who I am, like I get a deep sense of fulfillment from just the everyday work that we do just because we're putting really great content into the world, right? So yeah. what I didn't want to have happen was what I see a lot of clients come come to me with, which is they build this 
insane cash machine of a business, but they don't really actually like the business. And then mm-hmm. they have to go build something else that gives them fulfillment, right? So, which is why they get into coaching, speaking, writing books, like all that stuff, right? I didn't want that. So I wanted to make an impact, but I wanted to have my primary business have an impact. So I didn't have to go build something else on top of it. Um, so that's why I got like, that's one of the reasons I stuck with that. Okay. And um, yeah, jump in here, Iris, if you got any questions, but um, how did you start to monetize it? Like, where did you, like, I'm sure, did you just approach people and say, Hey, my fee is $5,000. I'm going to help you something like that. Or did you scale it? Like, what does that look like? Oh God, no, no, I didn't, I didn't have the confidence to charge five grand for anything right out of the gate. Um, (laughs) Okay. God, no. Uh, no, I knew nothing, nothing about business. I mean, I, I, I did a great job of soaking up, like hanging around my old agency CEO. Um, and he's still one of my great friends. Uh, I was able to work with him in the office side by side for like six months. So I soaked up a a lot from like seeing how an agency is run. But yeah, when I went out, I still didn't have like the confidence to charge what, what it was actually worth. I didn't know what it was worth. I really didn't know if podcasting would take off for other people like it did for me and Greg. And so I didn't know that. So I started out charging 500 bucks a month. Then I doubled it. Then I doubled it again. So now we charge two grand a month, but I never went beyond that. And there's a reason for that, which is that I, I didn't want to get sucked into taking all the mental burden for the growth of their entire business. And you start charging five, 10 grand a month. And that's the role that you get thrust into like two grand a month is a sweet spot where they only expect us to do exactly what we promise. And they're not always trying to like subconsciously pile on more stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. because they're paying so much, they're like, look, this has got to do more than just a podcast. So I yeah. was always sensitive to that, to not charge m- more than like to get into that area of like taking on the mental burden of every aspect of their business. Cause you can't, you can't do that for 10, 15, 20 people. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's uh, pr- pricing is a really interesting thing, but yeah, it's um, I mean, to me, this was uh, I have, a, I have a, a essentially done, like just about everything you can do to monetize a brand in real estate, except for starting like a SaaS company. So everything you can think of, I've coached agents, I've created and sold digital products, group coaching. You know, we, we, I've done those projects of like the Netflix of real estate and building out platforms and stuff like that. Um, I've, you know, me and Greg have coached sales teams inside of lead generation companies, like just almost anything you can think of. I've done all of it. And the agency was the best, the best business model of all of them. So, so Matt, uh, yeah, go, go ahead, Andrew. Oh, no. You well, go. no, I was just going to ask you, like, what does that look like when you're paying uh, the monthly coaching services? Is that just like limited hours or you set up appointments each week? Just in case people are wondering, like, what, you know, it would take to work with you and what that looks like. Oh, well, if they work, if they work with me, yeah, that's not coaching. But yeah, if they work with me, okay. we do all the back end production of their podcast for two grand a month, including all the okay, guest gotcha. booking, all the guest communication, graphics, audio production, show notes, like anything you can think of that you see a, a big podcast do. We just do it, period, end of story. We do it for you. Uh, all you, all our clients do is show up on a you know, Riverside or Zoom like this, nice. record, have the conversation, walk away. <laughs> we don't even make them send us the recording. We literally ask for their login and go check it every day and go pull the recordings for them. Like I've, I've just, I've been around the game long enough to know how high D entrepreneurs work. And yeah. you, I don't expect anything from them at all. The whole point <laughs> is to expect absolutely nothing from them other than to show up and talk. Um, yeah. So that, that's <laughs> that the way sounds it's familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who yeah, is and if <laughs> you, it's okay. You're that ID. should be the model for how every real estate team CEO <laughs> is treated. 
Yeah, I am very, I'm a high DI and um, I do almost expect things, not because I'm coming from a place of like, oh, it's, I'm entitled. I just almost expect things to be done for me, right? Iris has worked with me. It's not like, and I don't mean it in like, an entitled way. like I said, it's just like, I might, when someone gives me like a admin task to do, I just laugh in my head. I'm like, they don't know me. They haven't been around me long enough to like my partner, Tess, she'll like send me an admin task to do. And I just question mark. I love the new emojis you can do. And like the iPhones now I just question mark. (laughs) And then I'm like, you know, I'm not going to do this. Right. Like, do you want to just send back the, uh, send back the gif of the guy doing calculus and the math figures are flying around his head. Yeah. Like this is not like, you don't understand. This is not happening. And I used to be really good at details. When I worked for somebody else, I could be their detail guy. And then when I went and started my own thing and the bigger it got, I can't be that guy anymore. Like it just, your brain is full of like Mm long-term like visionary stuff. And you just realize the details fall out the back of your head. That's how I'm feeling now is I'm getting to the point where it's like, I don't want things to fall apart and I need to hire someone to help me, but it's like, you know, right in that awkward, uncomfortable space between. Well, let me ask you this. Do you, so we were chatting before we hit record about the, the gal with like the 90 SOPs. Where, where are you at on that curve to getting, to getting close to that? Are you, are you closer to where she's at or are you starting at the beginning? I'm kind of on my way. Like I started a VA training um, on Thinkific. So I've got like a, like a, I guess, foundation, but filling in, you know, scale, scaling it and building it out is another thing. Like I have the foundation ready to go. Um, but just getting the motivation and the time to, to be there. I do have, I can leverage VAs. I can hire people. I have the people in place. Um, but it's just not, it's not every day. It's not all the time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's downtime, it's like, well, what, what are we doing now? Well, so the reason I ask is this, and this is a, I'll, I'll give you an opinion and a, a lesson I learned the hard way and you can take it for what it's worth. It doesn't apply okay. to everybody, but it, it, it definitely applied to me. So, you know, like the book rocket fuel and the whole concept of the integrator, right? Just that person right. that you can like, you run hard, yeah. you throw stuff over your shoulder, that person catches it and they run with it. Iris. That, that's like every entrepreneur's dream, I, right? Is that the EOS? You were going to say EOS. That's yeah. what I was yeah. about to tell you. EOS. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I went through hiring and firing three integrators in a row, right? Mm. And I'm an ex- like have I have an extremely systematic business. We have checklists for everything. So I'm like, what is going on? Like, why can't I get somebody that can do what I think they should mm-hmm. do? Um, the conclusion that I came to and the solution that worked for me was I, I realized that because I was trying to have them do two different types of things, I was locking myself into a box where I had to find a unicorn of a person. Yeah. And so I was having trouble finding that unicorn of a person. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I've never done anything else in my business that required on them being unicorns. I require them to be smart, capable cogs, easily replaceable in two to four weeks. I'm like, well, let me, let me go back to that. And so like I pulled the integrator role apart into two to three different roles that I realized, oh, those are different people. Yeah. That's why I'm having so much of a problem finding the right person because they should be separate. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful at all, but 
what I decided to do is that I took the things that I was hoping an, an integrator would do. And I took this chunk of it and I gave it to this person on my team. I took this chunk of it, hired someone for that. I took this chunk, the, like the small chunk that I didn't think anybody else could do. I'm like, okay, I'll keep that for myself and just kind of do that for now. Um, and, and that worked like that allowed me to keep moving forward. Um, without being lo like locked in or, or being beholden to having a new unicorn on my team that I'm scared to death to lose. Cause I never wanted to be in that position, uh, where somebody walks out the door and then I'm screwed for six months while I find another unicorn. Yeah. I, I realized that when I was working with my VA, I'm like, he does all my editing. He wants more hours. So let's just go ahead and throw him in the social media role where he can grow my um, Instagram. And it did not work at all. So I like ended up having to hire two different people and Andrew mm -hmm. knows like to serve that function and do it really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, I don't have uh, any full-time employees. Oh, really? You don't? No, my team hovers between 12 to 15 people, depending on whether we're running an internship at that point or not. Um, not a single one of them are full-time. Now I have people that only work for me but they don't work full-time hours. They just choose to only work for me because they only want to work part-time and I take up all their available hours. But yeah, most of my people, like one of my account managers runs an eBay business on the side where she buy like flips vintage items on eBay. She makes a few grand a month doing that. So <laughs> nice. it's like, I, so she doesn't need me to be her end all be all. She doesn't need me to pay her health insurance. Like to me, that's the future is everybody's cobbling yeah. together two to three or four roles. Um, and so, yeah, like I want like, yeah, for, for my people, I never expect them to be full-time and that gives me a lot of flexibility because I can, then I can hire the exact right person for each specialized role. And then the only problem with doing that is just the communication, which means you got to have really good communication systems between your people and they have to be really good and you have to have nice people that get along with each other and all that stuff yeah. so that you don't add, because that's the only problem with that of having multiple people do things is just making sure that they communicate with each other. Um, yeah. So just make sure we have good systems for that. Question. You, you mentioned something, an internship. Is that mm -hmm. how you hire people? Do you hire from local college or what? how does that go? No, we run it as a paid internship. So it's not in like an unpaid. It doesn't have to be super affiliated with college. It's like that gives us the flexibility to just do whatever the hell we want. And it doesn't have to be in any sort of structured way. So what I do is um, I've done this with writers, uh, video editors are our latest thing, uh, guest booking people, and something else. I've done an internship on something else. So the idea is you put the ad out there, get three to four people that are finalists, offer it to all of them. Usually one person drops out fairly early in the process. You'll be left with two to three people. And then they go through the process. And after about four to six weeks, then you say like, hey, the top person gets an offer to join the agency. Everybody else uh, gets you know referrals. Like you basically get on our list to like be, get referred out to clients who don't want to work with us directly or whatever. Uh, and that's been really, really helpful really helpful. Um, cause I mean, anytime you can afford to hire two people for the position and let them duke it out, you want to, I mean, that's a proven practice in, in salespeople already, but, um, yeah, like I, I, I watched my, my mentor at another agency do that in, in certain roles. And I started to carry it over into more and more and more roles in my agency. And it just keeps the talent pipeline full of very specific types of people, which are young, uh, not as skilled to charge the full value. They don't know what full value is. And so I get to be the one that catches them early in their development curve and get a year or year and a half of discount work basically from them before they figure out, oh, I'm good enough now. I can charge three times this to other people. It's like, okay, great, m m move on, I'll help you. Um, and yeah. that's the goal is to yeah. help them get to the point where they do that. But in the meantime, it's like, hey, you're gonna work for us and you're gonna work at what's basically a discount rate because we're the ones that put our, 
Like we put skin in the game to train you, to get you up to speed and up to quality level to where you can charge three times as much. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the deal. Okay. Um, I, I want to come back to kind of the podcast. Um, what, like, what do you look for? Like, so say Iris and I wanted to, you know, hire you guys to work, like work together. you we want to scale this thing. We need a lot of backend support. Um, what do you look for in a podcast? Is there criteria? Is do you help them kind of? Because right, I I took a general idea of what our podcast is. Right, like we four different things we talk about. Kind of went off like the Andy Frisella. That was my inspiration for a podcast. I just love the dude. I love how direct he is, and he talks about four different things. Do I think it's the right thing? I don't know yet. We're just, we're so we're an infant, right? Yeah, in the podcast world. Um, so what do you kind of look for for a successful podcast and then clients to work with? Well, you've got a couple of the ingredients already, which is uh, a personality that people like, you know, just a likable human being that other people would genuinely enjoy having conversations with. You guys have got the consistency part down or like you've already been doing it. So that, that's always a question mark for me. I don't, I don't know until I start working with a client, whether they can be consistent. You guys have already proven you can't. So that's not an issue. So for you guys, I think the thing that um, the thing that, that separates podcasts that are at your stage from podcasts that end up taking off and scaling is a couple of things. Number one, uh, to, in order to continue to be consistent, you've got to start building some systems like, like I did initially or hire an agency so that you can just focus on the stuff that matters, like having the best conversations possible, use that freed up time to maybe do some more guest prep, you know, or, or reach out to bigger guests and things like that, whatever the case is. But you have to get like enough off your plate so that consistency doesn't become something that burns you out, right? Because that that yeah. will, at some point you will burn out. Like every, everybody that hosts a podcast, either you burn out of guests and you want to do solo episodes for a while or you do solo episodes for a while and then you burn out of that and you want to talk to some people again. Like you're just going to go through those cycles, right? Uh, the second thing is uh, a clear and compelling idea. And this is what I talk about in the, in the Microfamous book. A big part of why, why I wrote that was to try to drive this point home, which is this. Um, most of the battles for podcast growth are won and lost before a podcast ever goes live on Apple. And what I mean by that is there has to be an idea at the core of the podcast that is clear and compelling in its own way to where just the idea of the podcast stands out. So you could be at a conference in real estate. And if you tell people about the podcast in one to two sentences, the response should be like, holy cow. Where did that go? Like, I've never heard that before. How do I get that? Where do I go? Like, all right, let me get the, my, let me get my app out. Let me figure out where to find you guys. Like, that's the ideal. Now, you don't always get there right out, right out of the gate, obviously, but that that is where you want to go. So I'll get like the example with Real Estate Uncensored. Part of the reason there was a couple of ingredients that made that work. Number one, it was uncensored in a time when that wasn't a thing. Everything was very straight laced. Everything was very direct and it was all very clean, clean language. Like there was no, there was no Vanilla. laughing. There was no humor. Like nobody, <laughs> yeah. uh, God, God bless them, Toby Salgado and Pat Hyben, but I don't think they have a sense of humor to scrape between the two of them, at least when it comes to a <laughs> podcast, right? That's just not their personality, right? Yeah. Um, so there was the sense of humor part. And then there was the fact that we niched down and we were a sales and marketing training podcast. We were not a we interview whoever podcast. Like the whole point, like it actually says it in the title, the way it comes up on Apple is sales and marketing training. 
podcast. Our most popular episodes from those early days were like these 45 minute long in-depth webinar style trainings on how to do sales and marketing in the business. So mm. um, that was our version of that clear and compelling idea. It's what made it stand out. So you got to have, you got to find whatever your version of that is for the market that exists right now today. So that if you tell somebody at a real estate conference in two sentences, what the podcast is about, they immediately want to go subscribe if they're your kind of person. So that's, that's really what separates the people that scale from the people that don't. Because here's what doesn't matter as much as, as we'd like it to. Social media promotion. Sadly. Because if you go, I guarantee if you go right now to Andy Frisella's Instagram account, Lewis Howe's Instagram account, like if you look at the posts on Instagram or whatever that are about their podcast, it's a fraction of the engagement that they're off the cuff, not well thought out, you know, kind of selfie with a, with a motivational quote gets, yeah. right? It's like 10 <laughs> times the engagement. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that, which is that the social media companies don't want you repurposing a bunch of stuff, creating a bunch of stuff off platform, and then scheduling it out for three months in advance on the platform. They just, they've decided that's not what they want. They want you on the app. They want you creating content inside of their app, posting it live, and then they want, they want you engaging. So yeah, so the podcast landscape, like promoting a podcast, promoting anything. I mean, this, this apply, this is not just about podcasting. This applies to everything. This applies to growing people's real estate business. You have to understand that. So that has radically changed just in the last three or four years on social media. They do not want you scheduling. They do not want you repurposing to whatever limited extent you do that. Um, you run the risk of hurting your account. You may get some extra benefit in the short term, but it will not get you the engagement of the, the way that Grant Cardone got that 10 years ago when he wrote 10X, right? If you go back and read 10X now, the advice that he gives in that book on social media cannot and will not work today. Yeah, so, pretty- uh, yeah, so that's, that's what's changed. So unfortunately, the, the thing that separates a podcast like yours from the big guys isn't hiring somebody to manage the Instagram account. It's not like it's not more social media promotion. It's It's word of mouth. It's creating something that's, worthy of being talked about so that agents talk about it when you're not around and they talk about your show and they tell other agents about it. That's the key to success now. So do you think, um, knowing that what our podcast is now, right. And I don't care if we're being recorded. I hope this goes live. Right. Because I feel like I've watched really good podcasts rebrand over time because yeah. they just kind yeah. of flow. Right. Yep. Um, for yeah, us, it's never too late. Think, yeah. Do you think we should be more just solely focused on real estate and just focused on that or sales or you know, whatever that that really depends on that's more about you guys okay it's more about your goals so yeah like if we if, if you were coming in as a client whether you had a podcast already or not i i would if that was a question at all which for some it is right like i helped a guy rebrand his podcast and we dived very much into that and he did decide he didn't want to be limited to real estate they wanted to talk about generating referrals across multiple different industries so we took his podcast from being named real estate your way to serving, not selling. Mm. It's all about relationships. It doesn't matter what the industry is. And that did really well. So like you could see, you could see that the, you know, you could see that the line go up from the time that we rebranded his podcast, but uh, could he have gotten better results by staying in the real estate space and, and rebranding around real estate referrals? Probably like in the short term, that would have gotten him more traction. So you do have to keep that in mind. Like if you, if you, jump into a bigger niche. A lot, a lot of times you get slower growth. Whereas if you go super, super focused, you'll get fast growth and then you'll plateau. And then you have a decision to make on where do you go from there? I'll, I'll give you an example. So we launched a podcast a couple of years ago for a gal who's a OBGYN. She makes like a half million a year 
as a, as a high level um, doctor that deals with difficult births. In her spare time, she built like a 250 grand a year coaching consulting business, teaching other female doctors how to negotiate better contracts. Mm. That's what her podcast is about. It's, it's, it's for female, like female physician contract negotiation. Now, how small of a niche is that? It was one of yeah. the most successful shows we've launched in the last few years. It was great. She has like 85 star reviews, tons of downloads, tons of like, you know, she's getting speaking engagements and podcast invitations, like all this stuff, right? Because she got the niche right. So you can go like that's I love that strategy. I love going super, super narrow, super deep with the podcast yeah. and only being for exactly the right people. Like that's what the whole micro famous book and the strategy is about. It doesn't necessarily work as well on places like YouTube and TikTok, but for podcasting, oh my God. Like that is the, like that is the recipe for quick growth. Um, but you might have 10, 15 year goals of talk of getting up and speaking on stage on stuff. It has nothing to do with real estate. You know what I'm saying? So in that case, you may take the longer road of just like, Hey, I want to, I want to be speaking on stage about something else in 10 years. Um, by the way, that's why I told Jeff Cohn not to name his podcast, the real estate team podcast. And we named it the team building podcast. Cause I knew he'd get tired of it in about five years. <laughs> that's good. And I knew he'd want to still speak on stage. And I'm like, we should name it the team building podcast so that you have the flexibility to talk about leadership and team building and not real estate teams. Cool. Um, so um, what else I do want to like kind of wrap this up, but I want to hear what else are you working on? Where do you see the agency going? Um, are you working on anything else you want to promote on here? A book, podcast, anything like that? Uh, yeah. So there's, there's, I'm working on my own 10 year project, right? So I've got a, yeah. a, a YouTube channel called timeless success. Um, I just dropped a, um, a video yesterday on how to channel laziness into success, which is based on something Greg Harrelson told me about how he's never showed up to the gym without a workout buddy. Cause he considers himself an undisciplined, lazy person, which <laughs> is a shocker to anyone that knows Greg Harrelson, yeah. who's built multiple seven figure companies and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and run some Ironman. Like not that's the last person you think of, but anyway, so I dropped a whole video on how to channel laziness into success that has absolutely nothing to do with my agency. That YouTube channel is my 10 year project to build an audience of people that will buy future books that I write. Now, in the meantime, the learning process of learning YouTube uncovered an opportunity that I hadn't really thought about up until that point, which is the opportunity to help real estate leaders that are more suited for YouTube do that instead of just running a podcast, right? So we've always had our clients recording on video and we've taken clips and we've, we've they're on YouTube, but we've never had our clients make YouTube their primary thing. Now I'm opening up the option for that to happen. So if anybody's in the audience and they're going, well, podcast sounds great, but I'm more interested in YouTube. Great. So am I like, that's where we're going as an agency is yes, we still offer podcasting, but even on YouTube, YouTube is starting to lean into podcasting. There's going to be a huge opportunity there that we're not exactly sure what it looks like. It may end up being this hybrid thing, but either way, you're probably going to want to make YouTube your main focus. And then the audio is downstream from that. It's secondary. So that's what we're opening up is the same price, two grand a month, one video a week. Uh, it has to be, you know, fairly templated. Like it has to, there's some parameters there. We can't do a 10 minute Graham Stefan, Andre Gique, fully, like fully you know, insane 40 hours a week of editing kind of video, but we can do a really good, amazing talking head or an interview segment or something like that video. Um, that's three to five minutes long that has legit traction to get, you know, a, a chance to get traction on YouTube. We can do that week in and week out. So if anybody's interested in that, you should reach out. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know if you're thinking about this Iris, but I think Iris and Matt would geek out on YouTube stuff after this. You guys should yeah. get each other's uh, 
schedule a time to talk because yeah. Iris runs all my YouTube stuff. She's been to well, you you can talk about that. Iris, <laughs> yeah, she looks I mean, good. I feel like it's it. Yeah, it's the place to be. And they just started. Yeah. Um, youtube podcast so there's actually a so they've got your long form content and then your shorts um your lives playlists and now there's one that is the podcast so we actually just um switched that over to the podcast side so i'm interested to see if that grows because i know that youtube is pushing that out more and i haven't checked the analytics um but i will and maybe we could do a follow-up or something yeah yeah, I've thought a lot about that. I wasn't super impressed with that move right out of the gate um, because the the only way that makes an appreciable difference is that there's a, if there's a different algorithm for the podcast, like like there is for shorts. Yeah. There's a different algorithm for shorts, um, which creates its own problems, but it does give long form videos and sh- and shorts completely different, you know, ways to get discovered and and tailored to each of those audiences, the people that like those different types of content. The problem with podcasts on YouTube up until now has been it's the same algorithm. So your 30-minute podcast interview with somebody that might be amazing is competing head-on with the Graham Steffens of the world who do nothing 80 hours a week but obsess over how to create the best seven minutes of content at a time. It's like <laughs> right. you will not win that battle, right? Uh, right? So YouTube has to like – if they really want to get serious about podcasting, they've got to create a different recommendation system or a different algorithm for people that are looking for podcast style content. And that's the only thing you're competing against is other podcast style content. Because as soon as you have, as soon as you, they throw you into the bin with all the people that make seven to 10 minute videos, you're toast. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's highly competitive. It's, it's It's really tough. And that's why I wanted, you know, yeah. Yeah. We'll talk offline about that. I've got lots of interesting data points. Now I want to hear what you're okay. doing and what you guys have seen with your analytics and yeah, cause there's, there's a lot happening, but yeah, the YouTube is definitely the place to be. I just don't know how it's going to shake out. And I wouldn't be surprised if the, the answer ends up being a highly curated five minute video on YouTube. And then you go and do a relaxed version that gets turned into a podcast, you know, like something like that. If you do both at all. Um, is you do like a highly curated, super punchy, direct, fast paced, yada, yada for YouTube. And then you do something way more long form and relaxed for a podcast. Um, and some people may just choose not to do that and just pick one or the other, which is, which is also fine. Yeah. I noticed Joe Rogan's been doing like, he'll have like a two hour, um, show, but then he has like five to seven minute, uh, summary of each. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. His show. clips, the clips do really well on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Rogan is the exception. Yeah. Nobody, nobody, right. <laughs> for the most part, nobody gets away with doing what Joe Rogan does and doing it on YouTube. Like you don't see Tim Ferriss podcasting on YouTube. Like it, there's a lot of other people that don't get away with doing what Joe Rogan does. He's kind of the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. I think uh, Joe Rogan podcast everywhere. His reels are on mm-hmm. oh like he does reels, YouTube. I mean, the dude is insane. What he's done in podcast world and shows is ridiculous right it's kind of an anomaly right it, that's a say? very that is a perfect word for it it's a, it is an anomaly it's unexplainable yeah yeah because you could have picked out a thousand comedians in, and back in you know mid 2000s you'd never guess he's the one because adam carolla beat him to it by about three years or something like that um and uh yeah there's you'd never guess you'd never guess joe rogan would end up being the king of, of podcasts that's the stuff that you can't control you can't control how like once you once you get big and the difference between him and everybody else isn't how many clips he's got. It's him. It's the attractions, the bond with him in the audience. That's the difference. 
that's what gives him the ability to put all that stuff out on other platforms and get traction. It's not the fact that he puts stuff out on every platform and gets traction that made him who he was, if that made sense. Yeah. 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 I did a whole podcast episode a couple of years ago about Rogan and how there are four distinct different cultural waves that he rode in order to get to where he is today. Like it wasn't one trend or wave that got him to be like, it was successive one after the other over the course of like 20 years. Uh, it's a lot. It's taken a lot for him to get where he's at today, which is hopeful. It's encouraging for all of us. Yeah, no. And uh, time, af- time after time, they try to cancel him and he's just uncancelable. <laughs> he is. Like that dude, no, they kick him off a platform, then they beg him back. They <laughs> kick him off and then he goes to a new one. They pay him more. You know, like it's just, it's insane. I do love um, that I, part of it. Does it does make it does make me happy? I know. I love it. It's kind of like um, kind of what happened to Howard Stern, mm-hmm. right? Remember, like they kicked him off, and then Sirius was like, Sirius mm-hmm. the next time were like, no, this is money. We're gonna pull yeah. you on. We're gonna pay you like a all a I don't know hundreds of millions of dollars to come with yeah. us. And that was like when a hundred million dollars back in the day that yeah, was a really billion now. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's right. You didn't have to question whether you could afford eggs at the grocery store. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I appreciate you coming on. I, how can they contact you? Um, if they're interested in getting their podcast started, um, Really, really easy. Uh, Just go to pursuingresults.com, spelled just the way it sounds, pursuingresults.com. All the details about the service, client testimonials. You can see all the other people in in real estate that we've worked with, Jeff Cohn, Michael Hellickson from Club Wealth, Greg Harrelson, Lars Hedenberg, Marky Lemons-Ryle. Like, I mean, the the names are really, really amazing who we've been able to work with. And there's a little button there at the very top. You schedule a call and it'll take you right to my calendar for a quick 15-minute chat. We'll talk about your idea or what you're doing, whether you have something now uh, already or not, and uh, and just see if there's the potential there. So it's really, really easy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate That's your great. time. Iris, Thanks, guys. you got anything for Matt? Yeah, no, I'm just really grateful to hear from you and glad to meet you today. A yeah, wealth yeah, of knowledge. I appreciate yeah, it. it was, Thank uh, you. I mean, tons of nuggets. I mean, some stuff that I even, I was on a training before and they were just talking about use the tools in the app. And that's kind of what you touched on here a few times. Like social media wants you to use the tools in the app. So it's kind of a sign that I haven't been doing that. But (laughs) um, I appreciate everybody uh, joining here. Um, If you feel like this could provide some value, like, share, comment, and get a hold of Matt if you're thinking about starting a podcast. I know Iris and I are probably going to have a conversation with him after this. Um, So thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Thanks for everything you've done for me so far. You put me on podcasts. You came to our podcast. I'm grateful for you. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks, Matt.